the heck are you? I feel like I haven't, honestly, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. It's been very difficult keeping up with my colleagues in distance learning. And it's hard to believe that we haven't done this in a couple of months now. Because I know I speak on behalf of both of us when I say life's been pretty crazy. Super crazy. Lots of exciting things. What, what's Do you want to share first? End? Oh, we did it at the same time. You go first. You go first. All right, if you insist. Um, well, obviously, as you know, and I don't know if I've mentioned here or not, but in case I haven't, um, we are expecting our third child. Woohoo! And uh, with that comes all of the nesting habits of getting the home ready for another baby. You know, we we're living in this house when my second son was born. So the nice thing is that we, we kind of know, we, we know the house well enough to, to have it adequately prepared for um, our baby. And um, it's just a matter of getting ourselves back into the mindset of, oh my gosh, I might not be sleeping for more than two hours tonight. I might have to be doing these things. A lot more, you know, uh, postnatal doctor visits uh, that we're going to be having to attend and things like that. So it's just, yeah, and, and amidst all of that, with my wife being very, very pregnant, it's just helping her and, yeah. and, and taking our two very spirited young boys um, off of her hands so that she can just lay down. I mean, she's less than a month out at this point um, of delivery and things are starting to get very, very real. So my free time is occupied by keeping my little ones at bay while uh, my wife can get some much deserved rest. And so a little chaotic in that sense but the excitement of welcoming a new member to the family is uh is enough to overlook all of that stuff so we're really excited busy but very very excited yay I'm so excited for you it's gonna be such a fun season I mean it's definitely a weird season I'm sure to have um a child in the middle of still a pandemic going on but if there's anyone that can do it it's you and Brittany it's gonna be so awesome I'm so excited. What about you? Well, I'm also expecting to finish my master's degree on time. So, <laughs> no, I'm not pregnant, um, but I am expecting to finish this degree on time. So I am taking um, 12 credit hours this semester, which is like a full-time student, um, yeah. which is a lot on top of a full-time job. And so I have next to me my handy-dandy to-do list. If you close your eyes and you can visualize one of those extra, extra large post-it notes with the lines, um, two of them stacked on top of each other, just with lists of um, empirical articles, textbook chapters, papers, um, you know, pretty much you name it. If you can think of what happens in a, in a college class, it's on that list. And I rewrite it every week and spend my free time checking my way through it. So I've been really fortunate, as I'm sure Brittany feels, to have a really supportive husband through this like crazy, you know, season of life. And so Nick has been really supportive and bringing me yummy dinners when I'm in my night classes and, you know, helping around the house and and things like that. So I definitely don't feel alone in the struggle, but it is a struggle Um, and it means I'm spending a lot of time on my computer. So similar to you, when I finish my work day or when I finish school, it is hard to stay on the computer. to catch up with friends or family, um, you know, or colleagues, especially. So 
I'm really grateful we carved out the time today to catch up because I have missed you. Same. I've missed you a ton and I've missed these conversations. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, even if this is the last time that uh, that we get to do this before I go on paternity leave, I think it's just it underscores um, our commitment to each other in our practice. I, I think it's a, a, a more specific example of the relationships we have with all of our colleagues at Odyssey um, in terms of the ways in which we try to collaborate to bring a quality education to these kids uh, that, uh, that we work with on such a regular basis. And with that, we welcome you to the Odyssey of Learning podcast. It's been a while, but my name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. And we're really excited to, to finally be back here and to catch up and, and do all of that stuff. I mean, I think the biggest change for us on an instructional level has been our scholars moving to an entirely different course. We have been talking a lot this year about the ways in which we are striving to make our work more interdisciplinary in nature. So coming up with cross-curricular projects that are demanding scholars to access multiple areas of learning all at the same time to produce these more authentic, genuine uh, products, deliverables, if you will. And uh, for, for me, on my end, with my Village of Scholars, at the start of the year, we were working hand-in-hand hand with the STEM advisor, Nicole, on campus, and Courtney and her Village Scholars were working hand-in-hand hand with Sammy, the Spanish advisor on campus. And about a few weeks ago, we formally ended the first semester, and we made our way into the second semester, meaning our kids switched. They did the old switcheroo. The scholars that started with science are now in Spanish, and the scholars that started in Spanish are now in a STEM course. And so, Courtney, I, I think I would like to begin. I'd be really curious to get your input here. What has that transition from your perspective looked like? I, I think, obviously, it would really benefit to have Nicole and Sammy here uh, to share their perspective kind of on the front lines of that transition. But you and I are pretty heavily involved in this as well. What has it been like for you? Yeah, for me, it honestly reminds me a bit of my own experience in high school. Um, I don't know how your schedule is built, Hunter, in high school, but for me, we had semester courses um, all throughout middle school and high school. So I was accustomed to switching my course load at the semester mark as opposed to being in the same course all year. Um, and I think that it affected me and it's affecting our scholars in kind of similar ways. It gives the sensation of a fresh start and a new entry point to explore something of interest, to unpack your curiosity and to approach problem solving in like a new perspective. Um, and so I miss working with Sammy. I've loved collaborating with her. We built such a strong working relationship and, and really did design some strong interdisciplinary projects. But on the same hand, I see in the scholars and I see in myself um, kind of a new opportunity in our work with Nicole and transitioning into STEM. So for me, I, I think probably the biggest success in our switch around was not diving into content right away. I know we all took some time. Uh, I think we took a week to pause and really just appreciate the transition and allow for some space for scholars and advisors to get to know one another. You know, in the case of Sammy, this is her first year at Odyssey working with a brand new village. That's a lot of new scholars. 
and Nicole having not worked with Village 2 before, um, making that time to get to know one another on an interpersonal level, you know, tell me your story. Talk to me about your relationship with science. Um, being part of those conversations allowed Nicole to get to know the scholars and also allowed me to get to know them on a deeper level. So I really enjoyed that we, as we always do at Odyssey, took some time to build those interpersonal relationships and strengthen our school culture before diving into the content, which then was all the more exciting the next couple of days. How about for you? What was it like? I, I largely agree with that view. I think that the time we took in that week, and I think it was a shortened week, if I'm not mistaken, I think we had the Monday off, but uh, just just getting the opportunity for them to get to know more about Sammy, because that's who my scholars are working with now, and as, as well as giving Sammy the opportunity uh, to learn more about the scholars, I think the Spanish context played a little bit differently than probably the STEM context did in that so many of our scholars come from a Spanish um, or Spanish speaking background. And, and so for, for Sammy to have the opportunity to have those conversations in the context of what they would re be reviewing in the course, um, I think was kind of an added bonus. But on the flip side, you know, thinking back to the fact that this is Nicole's second year. And so while she hasn't worked directly with your village, just being a part of the Odyssey family, she, she was already to a certain extent at least familiar um, with, with the scholars because we're such a small group. Totally. Um, you, even if you're not teaching a certain village, you, uh, you, you become familiar with them. You're just passing them by on campus before the whole distance learning thing. And just in conversations that you have with your village team as, as we're trying to figure out the best way to help scholars become successful, um, you, you get to know these scholars, even if they're not even formally in your class. So I think that each of them had advantages. And as far as maybe challenges of that transition are concerned, I don't think that there was a ton. And I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, we come from a comprehensive uh, education background where, as you mentioned, those semester transitions weren't all that uncommon. Um, and so taking that knowledge and that sort of preparedness and mindset into that transition, I think was really helpful. Um, not just for, for Sammy and Nicole, but for all of us as, as a village team. And I think what also put me at ease was knowing that I was kicking off the humanities Spanish dynamic using the same project that you guys had just finished up. And you and Nicole were picking up with the project that Village One, our village, had just finished up. So I think that's sort of the natural progression of this conversation is kind of getting a status update on where we are at with the scholars and their work is to talk about these two projects that we have been uh, grappling with uh, all the way back when we first assigned them to our respective villages, uh, like after Thanksgiving. So, so all the way back in early December. Um, I'm wonder, wondering if you want to start, Courtney, by telling us a little bit about the Spanish humanities project that you guys, you and Sammy designed, and then I could jump in with mine, and then we'll, we'll talk about maybe things that we've changed or things that we're doing differently. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. I really love these essays. I don't know. It might just be because I'm in grad school now myself, so I'm writing so many essays, but I'm feeling like distance learning is not ideal, of course. 
Um, but it does allow us to make space for online collaboration and communication that is more difficult to come by when you're in the physical classroom. And so the relationships that I feel like we've developed using Google Docs and using Altitude Learning has really allowed for a seamless integration of like explicit writing skill, learning and practice. And so doing two essays back to back, I feel like I've really a become familiar with um, the writing process as a writer myself in school and then as an advisor instructing scholars in two different research essays. Uh, but I've also really come to appreciate the tools that are at our disposal. Um, you know, I think back to myself in high school and submitting a research essay meant hours and hours and hours of working by myself uh, in isolation to write a paper and finally submit that that final draft. And when I think about how we've designed learning experiences for our scholars, um, there's so much back and forth. You know, you can go on and on and have these long conversations in, in uh, Google Docs using the comments or the suggestion mode. And I just think we've really created some collaborative essay writing experiences. So with that, the Spanish and humanities essay. So essentially, scholars were given a Latin American country or Spanish speaking country. And then we're able to explore the medicinal traditions of that country and select a particular medicinal tradition they were interested in. And then they wrote about that medicinal tradition, how it has been used historically, what the cultural significance is of that medicinal tradition. And then they tried to apply what they learned about this medicinal tradition to contemporary modern mainstream U.S. medicine. And so in this way, they were not only summarizing research that they were reading about these medicinal traditions, but they were then applying what they learned into the current context of, of medicine in the United States. And it was really cool to see scholars like dig into history around the world and become experts in, in Spanish speaking countries and some of the traditions that are used there and have been used there uh, for centuries to keep people healthy. So I really enjoyed getting to, to partner with Sammy in creating that work and, and seeing scholars really dive in with their curiosity to, to create projects that, you know, put some research essays that college students are writing to shame. So perks to our scholars. How about you? What was the STEM essay like? Yeah, and hearing you talk about the Spanish essay just helped me reminisce even more about the work that Nicole and I were doing with that STEM essay mostly because the skills that both of our villages are working on are transferable essay to essay. Because at the end of the day, they're doing research. It's just switching the context of that research and, and maybe refining some, some skill sets, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, from essay to essay that makes really the only difference between the two. Uh, but on our end, when, when Nicole and I sat down to map out this STEM essay, they were about ready to embark on exploring the ways in which um, the human body reacts to disease and illness. They participated in a number of different lessons involved in exploring the biology of these diseases, how they interact with the body specifically, and at the end of the day, they were given the task of researching a disease of their own selection. And I was there to support them in the writing of that research. So not only looking at a disease and understanding its biological function, but then taking it a step further 
and working to understanding how that disease plays out, not just in history, like our historical understanding of the disease, but also the, its social role in our society. So a lot of these diseases, for example, um, like diabetes or schizophrenia or Down syndrome, these were options that we presented to our scholars, they also carry with them some social baggage, some stigma that has persisted for a long, long time. And so as a part of their research, again, attacking more of that social science component, not only were they breaking down the biological function of the disease, but they were also taking a look at those, uh, those kind of not so fun parts of history, looking at the stigmas, but then ending on a more positive note, how do we address those? today? What do we do as a society to continue to, to really uh, reevaluate our understandings of these diseases and the people who suffer through them? And the kind of capstone moment from that research project was to take all of the information together and synthesize it in a way in which it was more presentable to a wider audience, whether that was another researcher who was maybe looking to update their own knowledge and understanding of the disease in question, or an audience of, of scholars who could serve to learn more about the historical and the social history of, uh, of a particular disease. I mean, there really wasn't any limit that we placed on audience, but the scholars got really creative with uh, creating different sorts of products, whether it was um, an art piece, whether it was a podcast, whether it was um, even something simple, like, a, like an informational pamphlet you would find in a doctor's office that would serve to inform people of the disease and, and all of these things that come with it. So it was really enriching. And some scholars even uh, demonstrated sort of that entrepreneurial spirit. They picked a disease that we didn't provide, but we gave them permission to explore. And um, that's something that I think that I, I, both of us can applaud on these essays is, is their ability to be so learner centric um, in terms of what they're choosing to research and and, uh, and, and how they go about doing that. So I'm curious then, Courtney, to hear, now that you are in the thick of this disease research, what are you finding out? What are you, what are you perhaps doing differently than the way um, we did it the, the first time around? What's changed for you? Yeah, um, first of all, great recap of the essay. I was like, dang, now I wanna go write this essay. It's been fun to take on your work and to, you know, to swap. I, I've enjoyed getting to use some, like use a structure that someone else has created, another advisor has created, and kind of make it my own. Um, and so what what that has looked like for me, I think Nicole and I, instead of starting with the biological perspective, the scholars were, you know, diving deeply into what what ways does this disease show up in the human body. Um, we we actually started with the social perspective. So we took that social science perspective first, um, given the fact that scholars had just been in their STEM class for like two weeks before we started this project. We really wanted to kind of lean on what they had been working on, what they had been thinking about. And since the Spanish essay had such a strong cultural significance perspective, we, we kind of dove right into that again. Um, what's the social perspective of this disease? And so starting with that um, kind of got us off on a more social science perspective uh, for this essay. And, and we've slowly been making our way deeper and deeper into empirical research about the actual biological or molecular science behind a disease. 
And so that, that's kind of one shift that we made. And another is that we really opened up the field. So I know you guys provided a, a pretty brief list that scholars could choose from and then gave them the flexibility to go out there and find their own diseases if they were interested in. Like you said, a couple of scholars kind of took it upon themselves to go that direction. We really said no limits, pick whichever disease you're interested in exploring. And scholars, a lot of them picked diseases or concepts that were close to home for them, you know, something that, that they themselves experience or that a loved one or a family member experiences. And we've noticed a lot of buy-in with that individualization where scholars, of course, you know, as per intrinsic motivation are, are driven and curious to learn about something, their, their work will be stronger. And so that has been one, one transition that we've made. And I know that you mentioned this synthesis project that scholars did at the end of the disease essay, we're kind of shifting that as well. Um, instead of creating physical, tangible documents, we're going to host a in-person lab meeting where scholars will present to peers uh, about some of the key findings they've found in their research. So continuing to practice that sort of verbal expression uh, as opposed to the generative or creative process of, you know, tangible uh, products that might deliver information. The focus is going to be on, on verbal presentation to practice that aspect of uh, creation. Since, you know, as you kind of mentioned with the synthesis component of the STEM essay, the Spanish essay had a synthesis component, but it was in Spanish, right? Scholars took what they learned and synthesized it down into an abstract that they then wrote in Spanish. And so having that experience of writing with the previous essay, we really wanted to give them the space to verbally articulate some of their learning with this STEM essay. How about for you? What have you shifted from the, the Spanish essay? It's really interesting here you talk about those shifts because they actually um, are very parallel to the kinds of shifts that we've made with the Spanish essay this semester. Um, before I get into that, I think what I appreciate so much about what you're sharing is the fact that I am thankful we have this culture of collaboration here at Odyssey between colleagues where we work really hard to create structures that aren't necessarily just for an individual teacher to use, but are it's like kind of um, uh, it's a free access um, for for any of our colleagues. You know, we we're not shy about saying, "Hey, I created this thing, and here it is. If you want to use it, and sometimes uh, someone will use it. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll modify it." And it's just great seeing that openness uh, continue, at least in our own grade level practice, but I, in our Slack messages and things like that, I, I see this happening all the time, where we continue to build on this bank of best practices and share them uh, with the, the entire uh, uh, staff. And, and, and we just continue to see that pay off in terms of what we are able to, to, to design, what learning experiences we managed to put together for our scholars. So it's been really wonderful. And I very much appreciate you uh, for the work that you and Sammy did for this essay initially in putting the whole project together. So many valuable resources. And uh, one of the shifts similar to the kind of shift uh, that you were talking about as it pertains to the disease essay was around um, where our focus was at the start. So when you and Sammy did the Spanish essay, just for context for our listeners, that was towards the end of the Spanish semester. So most of the Village Two scholars were, were a lot closer in terms of kind of the common ground of content that they had built up for the entire two and a half, three month period 
preceding that. Whereas my scholars are just in the thick of the Spanish class for the first time. And there's a, there's a much wider range of ability in terms of, uh, in terms of Spanish skill sets. So while Sammy has been focusing primarily on building that foundation for learning uh, about Spanish language and grammar, et cetera, um, the, the focus has been much more around the history and the cultures of these Latin American countries uh, that our scholars had to choose from. And, uh, and they're also receiving support uh, with regards to that in Sammy's class. So as a result, our synthesis at the end of this essay isn't going to be as uniform as, as it was uh, last semester with Village 2 in that the, the Spanish sort of integration component is going to be differentiated a lot more uh, for our scholars, depending on where they're at with their, with their Spanish uh, skills at this time. Um, and I, I'm happy to be flexible to do that as well. So some scholars might be writing their abstract in Spanish and other scholars might be doing just maybe a quick verbal recap or summary uh, of their essay, depending on, on where they're at uh, with those skills uh, in, in Spanish. This, this conversation is making me like so happy to work at Odyssey. I mean, it's like pretty convoluted <laughs> to try to like parse through this transition, you know, saying like your scholars and these scholars and Sammy and Nicole. Um, but it really, I mean, as you said, like speaks to the deep level of collaboration that we do at this school. You know, nowhere else have I have I ever worked that anyone would have it as vested of an interest in my what happens in my classroom as I do. And and we really do have that at Odyssey. You know, everyone really deeply cares what's happening in, in other contexts. And that shows up in so many different ways and so many different support systems. Um, I'm feeling really lucky, even in distance learning, even in a pandemic. This is like the most interconnected set of colleagues. Um, I could imagine having. It makes me feel confident moving forward that when we do return to in-person learning, that we'll be able to pick up pretty quickly because we have that culture instilled. I mean, we're, we're meeting as a staff every single morning uh, to make sure that we're on the same page. And I get to see everyone's faces, some faces of people that I still haven't met in person, um, but uh, knowing that when we're back, we're just going to have that understanding moving forward. And, and you're absolutely right, Courtney, in terms of what that does uh, for us in terms of planning, in terms of lesson prep. It is just so, so helpful. Um, and I guess one, one other change that I would highlight, and I think that this is, this is more speaking to kind of my own personal pedagogy and the way that I release responsibility uh, to scholars or the, kind of the way that I approach that, when you structured this essay, we, we talked about this uh, when we were transitioning initially, um, you had a, this, this wonderful structure where you broke down every major component of the essay and, and, and you really just kind of day by day looked at each of those sections and, and kind of walked the scholars through just so that they had a very clear um, knowledge of the expectation that you had for that part of the essay. And I, I love the, the multicolored framework you put together with the instructions in the blue text, a model in the green text, and then a space for them uh, to write their own. And I've used that structure, but I think I've used it um, a little bit differently. Um, I've taken that and I provided it specifically to um, our scholars that are on individualized learning plans or individualized education plans, IEPs. 
And while I haven't directly given that structure to the rest of the scholars, I've used that same framework in the context of what they already know from the research that they were doing from the disease research. So they're, they're building on their understanding of research writing that we had been focused on so heavily the last semester, and they're using your structure while not as scaffolded in the same way in terms of building out a finished product of an essay. And it's been super duper helpful. And I've really appreciated uh, having that um, as, as it pertains to uh, their approach to research writing this semester. So again, going back to this idea of having a unified body and, and knowing that you know, we're just, we're never alone when it comes to planning these lessons has been, uh, has been hugely uh, relieving, especially to me, considering, uh, as I shared at the top of the podcast, uh, everything that's going on uh, in my life at this time, and I don't necessarily have the time to be building uh, a project from scratch, uh, and to use uh, something like this has been tremendously helpful. So I should be thanking you, Courtney, for Aww. everything you've contributed. I should be thanking you, too. We can also thank grad school. Shout out USC for that framework. I'm learning a lot, um, you know, in this program about designing supportive scaffolds uh, for learners, especially when it comes to writing essays. And I think that through, you know, I did this survey at the end of the year or at the end of the semester with scholars about how helpful they found those structures. And 89% of scholars said that the worked example, having it available to them uh, was incredibly helpful in writing their essay. And so I think that providing those scaffolds, especially during this time of distance learning, you know, to varying degrees of support is important uh, for young people as they are often struggling by themselves, you know, at all hours of the day <laughs> to work through these yeah. dense assignments with no physical school building to go into. Um, and so I think the more support, A, we give to each other, and B, we can offer to our scholars, the better. Well, who knows? Maybe by the time we get back together to do another one of these things, we'll actually be in a classroom again, the way things are trending. I'm, I'm, not, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed, but uh, who knows? If, if we can't get together to do this before uh, baby number three arrives, then uh, who, who knows uh, what, what it's going to look like when I, when I get back from paternity leave. I know well, we'll be sending you guys good energy as you have this this lovely third addition to your fam and uh, whatever it looks like, at least we'll be in it together and we'll be able to, you know, as we've said, collaborate through it. Um, this unpredictable year we're having. It's been so nice to get together with you again, Courtney, to put this together. I want to I want to try to publish this as soon as I can. Uh, it's, it's been great. Likewise. So for both of us at the Odyssey of Learning Podcast, I'm Nathan Hunter. And I'm Courtney. Have a good one, folks. Adios. Adios.